Great is thy faithfulness. 96 in your hymnal. Let's stand.
This morning, we're going to have the scripture on the screen, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. But I hope if you have your Bible, you will open uh, to this chapter and you will follow uh, as we not only read, but as we look at the information that we find here. Uh, there's just going to be two other scriptures on the overhead this morning uh, in addition to these, uh, these verses in, in Matthew. So again, I would just encourage you to turn to um, Matthew chapter 2, and after we pray, we'll read those first 16 verses. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege we have to worship you, to come into your house, Lord, to sing, to fellowship, to pray. Lord, just to enjoy each other, and Lord, most of all, to be able to hear a word from you. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you will take your word and speak to our hearts. Lord God, I, I pray as, as, as pastor, Lord, that I would never stand in this pulpit without desiring that you would be uplifted, not me or anybody else, or not even the church, Father that we would truly hear a word from you. Lord, I, I ask that these will not be wasted moments, and I pray, Father, that each one of us will have open hearts and minds to the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that if there are those that are here that have not yet trusted Christ, and Lord, 
Surely they've been bombarded by the Christmas message in these past weeks. But, Lord, if they haven't yet trusted your son, I just pray, Lord, that something will be said today, that something will be read that they might connect with and understand that that baby truly was the Son of God and is the Savior of the world. Father, again, Lord, help us that we will not separate ourselves from you, but help us that, as Jesus said, we would abide in you and you in us. Lord, bless these moments that we share the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow with me as I read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, again, I'm going to repeat some of this later. But, folks, notice Herod's first reaction. He, he is jealous of anybody who would rival his being king. And, folks, not only was he troubled, but look at this, all Jerusalem with him. Folks, word got out, and can you imagine the Jerusalem Times carrying an article with a picture of these wise men saying, we had strangers in town, and you won't believe what they said. They've seen a star. And a king has been born. Verse 4. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he, Herod, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, and this is a quote from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Then Herod summons the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he said to them, uh, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently. And folks, notice this, how many times that Jesus is going to be referred to not as a baby, but as a child. And we'll make, this is, a, this I think is very important. Search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard uh, the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is out of, of Hosea. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod. Now mark down verse 16. This tells you a little bit more about Herod. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, 
was in a furious rage, and he sent and killed, killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or under. How many of you have children two years old or under? Imagine a king having the power to have your child put to death according to the time which he had ascertained from the wise men. Before I get started, this is going to be a slow-developing sermon, okay? So hold on with me till the end, okay? Please. Last Sunday, and I shared this, but I want to share it again. Last Sunday morning, I arrived at church before it became light. And as I walked up the parking lot, there was a beautiful glowing planet that was rising in the eastern sky back this way. It was coming up over Kitten Hill Grocery, all right? And as I looked at that, I began to think about the wise men that Matthew tells us about in the second chapter of his gospel. And truly, when I got into the church, I was so excited that I went to the office and sat down and read Matthew 2. And although I had read these verses before, I read them with a new desire to feel the joy the excitement and the anticipation that these wise men must have felt. We don't know how long they had traveled, but what a remarkable thing that they saw a star in the sky and God spoke to them and said, something is, is great is happening down in the area of Jerusalem. A king is born. Go down there and see who he is. Can you imagine the excitement of these wise men? But as I read this story, I became sad. And I'd never sensed this sadness before in reading this story because, folks, even in this Christmas story, the coming of Christ to the earth, there is the theme of rejection. The theme of rejection. You remember as we had talked uh, a couple of months ago about the word becoming a couple of weeks ago about the word becoming flesh and how the gospel writer John does not tell us anything about the baby Jesus, but he makes a very profound statement in saying in John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten son of God. But earlier in verse 11 of John chapter 1, he says this, he came to his own home and his own people received him not. Folks, there was rejection of the very Son of God, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and the gospel writers help us to connect with that. But before we look at Matthew 2, let's skip over, and I'm, I'm not going to show any of these passages of Scripture on the, on the overhead, nor do you need to turn to Luke. But folks, Luke had told us of people who did believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and did, did go to see him and did worship him. And let me quickly mention these, okay? The night that Jesus was born, you and I remember the story of how the angel went to the shepherds out in the field saying, tonight is born the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And you remember a multitude of heavenly hosts were singing and praising God. The shepherds got so excited that they went into Bethlehem and they saw the baby that had been born to Mary there in a, in a manger. And folks, they believed. And they went out and they began to spread the word that the Son of God has been born. 
and he's in a manger of all places, and he has come to save the world. The shepherds bore witness that the baby in the manger was the Son of God. And that's found in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. You know that. Luke continues to tell us what happens next. According to Jewish law, a male child would be circumcised, and then on the eighth day after birth, they would be taken to the temple to be dedicated to God according to the Old Testament law. You see, Bethlehem is five miles from the temple in Jerusalem, so Mary and Joseph, because they are good practicing Jewish folks and because they know that their child needs to be brought up in a religious environment, they take Jesus to the temple on the eighth day and they dedicate him to God. And Luke tells us that as they are there on the eighth day, that there is an old man named Simeon. And God has told him, you're not going to die until you see the Savior, the Messiah. And he is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he recognizes that this baby, eight days old, brought into the temple is the very Messiah that God had been promising for hundreds of years. And his story is told in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. And immediately after Simeon says this about the baby, Luke introduces us to another person who is in the temple in Jerusalem. And her name is Anna. She is described as a prophetess. And again, the Spirit of God comes upon her, and she speaks of Jesus as the Redeemer. Listen to what Luke says. Spoke of him to all who were looking for the redemption of of Jerusalem. That's Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. And folks, she is telling all who will listen, the Savior is here. His mom and dad, or his earthly mom and dad, brought him to the temple and have dedicated him. But this is God's anointed. This is the one. Folks, surely word had gotten out, don't you think? Don't you think those shepherds, and they began to witness and go forth and tell others that the Savior was born, Simeon, Anna, don't you think that around Jerusalem they told what had happened? Again, hang with me. We're going to get to the point in just a little while, okay? What happened after that? Well, it seems as if after the child was dedicated in Luke chapter 2 that Mary and Joseph go back to Bethlehem. Now, again, we're piecing this together, okay? And I've got an important point in saying all of this. And they would stay in Bethlehem with the baby Jesus until the angel told Joseph to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt to protect Jesus from being killed by Herod in Matthew two thirteen to 15. So I hope you're saying, well, why in the world has he given us all this information? This is why. The coming of the wise men seems not to be on the night of Jesus' birth, but sometimes later. And again, just hang with me, okay? And let me tell you, and and I'm I'm not criticizing or ridiculing anybody who at the manger scene in their yard or at home has the wise men there. But folks, it seems for several different reasons that the wise men come a little bit later. It seems that the wise men come after Jesus' birth, after he has been taken to the temple, after he has been dedicated, after the shepherds proclaim that the Savior has been born, after Simeon and Anna proclaim this is the Messiah. And let me tell you 
reasons why some Bible scholars believe this. First of all, in Matthew 2.11, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, Jesus are not in the manger. They're at the house. They're in a house. And secondly, Jesus is called a child in Matthew 2, 9, 11, 13, and 14. And there's a different Greek word for a child and for a newborn baby that is used in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. So, folks, here's the point. Surely the testimony of the shepherds, the praise and acclamation of Simeon and Anna has caused inquiry by many in Bethlehem and Jerusalem. But guess what? Things have gotten back to normal whenever the wise men show up. I had a strange experience Tuesday afternoon. It's just a personal thing, okay? Um, I, I had to go to, to the hospice house in Durham and... Um, you know, I don't know how many of you go very far on Tuesday, but it's a strange thing. You see cars parked at homes, but not at shopping centers. I don't think that I've ever seen the parking lot at Walmart empty except on Christmas Day. Amen? When I went by North Duke Mall in Durham, empty. McDonald's, empty. Wendy's, empty. Cookout, empty. But I had to go back to Durham on Wednesday morning. Guess what? Walmart was full. Some of y'all might have been there. McDonald's, full. Folks, here's what I am trying to say. After the birth of Jesus, things got back to normal. And for many in our world today... We have heard about, we have talked about the coming of Christ, about Jesus being the Son of God. But guess what? Things are going to get back to normal real quick, aren't they? If they hadn't already gotten back to normal. And folks, I believe that perhaps God is at work again to wake the world up that a Savior has been born. And how does he do this? Well, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Matthew tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days that Herod was king. And behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Folks, do you not think that that woke some folks up in Bethlehem and J Jerusalem? And folks, think about this for just a minute. I'm not giving the wise men very much thought. Little is truly known about these men. How many were there? Where tradi traditionally, there are three in the song, We Three Kings of Orient Art. And I'm, again, I'm not knocking any of this. And it's thought that maybe there were three kings because there are three gifts that are given to Jesus by these kings. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Where did these men come from? Well, folks, Matthew tells us they came from the east. You know, that could be Greenville, North Carolina, Outer Banks. I'm joking. I'm just seeing if you're still with me, okay? But it doesn't really say exactly where they came from. They came from the east. In essence, Matthew is saying these are Gentiles. Think about this for just a second. These people who would have not have known all the prophecies of the Old Testament, who did not have a copy of the Scriptures like the Jews did, they had heard a voice of God, and God saying, I'm doing something in, in Jerusalem and in that area. I want you to go check it out. Let me tell you why I think this is important. 
You know, for so long we've been called a Christian nation. Amen? And I really got upset when our president said we were no longer a Christian nation. Folks, if, that depends on where you're at, doesn't it? But folks, is that not becoming true in our world that we're treating the things of God with less and less and less importance? And it seems as if we're believing less and less in God. And folks, that was happening in Jerusalem. The Son of God had come, but who cared? And here God is sending men from the east out of town, Gentiles, to come awaken the world and say, we have seen the king's star and we've come to worship him. Folks, understand that these wise men or magi, as they're called, were specialists in astronomy and it referred to a group of scholars who studied the sky. And you know what is happening here? God has revealed something to them. God has told them about something that he was doing and what a wondrous thing he had already done. And folks, in verse 2, this is their question to Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to do what? To worship him. Folks, they would have never come that far if God had not truly spoken to their hearts. And not only did they do that, they went and they fell down and worshiped him and they gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were convinced that this child would change history. And in obedience to God, they came. We don't know how far. We don't know how long it took them to come, but they came and they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. And they left not returning to Herod as God instructed. Folks, these men knew this baby was sent by God. And this baby would become the Christ child. And this baby would change the world. And folks, look at these three things about the wise men. They came to Jesus. They worshiped Jesus. And because they believed he was the king, they presented him with gifts. Let me ask you something. Did we do this in this past month? Did we get closer to Jesus, our Father, away from him? Are we like our world? Have we got back into the normal routine now? We put all of our Christmas stuff up, and Lord, we'll think about you again and what you did for us sometimes later on this year. But these men came believing this was the Son of God. And folks, look at what Herod did. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Folks, Herod is jealous of anyone who might replace him as king and wanted to destroy him. And folks, I want to read verse 16 again to you. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, was in a furious rage, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the wise men. As I was reading about Herod, here is a brief resume of his life. Herod was a cruel and crafty man who permitted no one, not even his own family, to interfere with his being king or prevent the satisfying of his evil desires. Historians say that Herod was a ruthless murderer. And he had his own wife killed and her two brothers because he thought that they were trying to commit treason and remove him from the throne. 
Herod, according to historians, was married at least nine times in order to strengthen his political ties and satisfy his own personal lust. How ruthless is this man, Herod? Well, folks, not only is he planning to kill the Christ child, but when the wise men leave without returning and telling him where the Christ child is, in verse 16 that I've read a couple of times, he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under. And look at the chief priests and scribes mentioned in verse 4. The chief priests and scribes, as you and I know, were the religious elite. Folks, they gave their lives in studying the Word of God as they had it, the Old Testament. And Herod knew if there was a religious question, the people that he needed to get together was the chief priests and the scribes. So he gathered them together and he says, where will the Christ be born? And they don't sit down and discuss this. Just like that, they know the answer because God had already told them in, Ma- in Micah 5.2. And let me just put this, this is the only other verse we're going to have on the... This is Micah 5.2 written hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is of old from ancient days. Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem because God said that's where it's going to take place. And these chief priests and scribes, they had the answer just like that. They knew the promises. But folks... Doesn't it surprise you that they don't make any effort to go down to Bethlehem and to see if the Messiah really came? Why do you reckon that is, as they say in South Carolina? Well, let me give you four reasons. Number one, I believe their hearts were hardened. They wanted to rely on their own good works, their own morality, their own personal knowledge for their salvation rather than trusting in a Savior. And folks, that is true of our day. People think and want to think that they're going to get to heaven because of their good works, which sometimes includes church membership and what we give. And thank God that you're a member here and thank God for your giving. But if you're depending upon that to get you into heaven, you're going to be sadly Denied entrance only by the blood. Only those washed in the Lamb of God. How about morality? Folks, we all like to think that we're good people, but our nature is sinful. Is that not right? All have sinned, fall short of glory of God. How about personal knowledge? I'm so glad that you guys come and you read your Bible and you read your Sunday school lesson and you're desiring to grow in your faith. But folks, listen, it is not by knowledge, but through Christ that we're saved. These men's hearts were hardened. And secondly, I wonder if their pride was hurt. Why would God reveal himself to Gentile star watchers and not to the religious elite of Jerusalem? Why? Why did God reveal himself to these men from the east? And again, they're Gentiles. They don't know about the scripture. Surely it hurt their pride. And thirdly, did they refuse to go to, Jeru- to Bethlehem because they'd heard rumors about the story of Mary and Joseph telling 
to hide the fact that they were terrible liars and sinners. Oh, that's just a carpenter and his betrothed wife has had a baby, and they're saying it's the Messiah. But folks, I believe more than anything else, they had left God out of their life. Folks, let me tell you what is so sad about the Pharisees and the chief priests. They read and studied the Old Testament, but they did not know what it meant. One of the greatest tragedies, I think, happens in our lifetime is for people to come to the church of God and hear the gospel, but yet not find a son. Well, folks, what is my whole point and purpose of this message? Bethlehem was five miles south of Jerusalem. Herod could have gotten in what I would have, would have imagined would have been his kingly chariot and rode down to see if this was the Messiah. The chief priest and the scribes could have gone down there and could have examined what was going on. And folks, how about all Jerusalem, all of Israel? They could have gone five miles, five miles from the Son of God, but they missed him. Another Christmas has come and gone. You and me and the world have heard the Christmas story once again. But do we know the Savior? Is Jesus just a religious story, a make-believe person from centuries ago, or is he the Savior and Lord of my life and your life? Is Jesus in our hearts or five miles away? Let us pray. Father, thank you for this story in Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for these men who saw a star and followed your divine leadership to find the Christ. Lord, I'm grateful that you work in all of our lives to lead us to yourself. Maybe it's not going to be a star or planet like these wise men saw. But, Father, I thank you that through your Holy Spirit, you are pointing us to your Son before we know him as Savior and even after we know him as Savior. And, Father, I pray that if there's someone here that has not yet trusted Christ as Savior, not just young children or teenagers, but, Lord, adults, that you will help them find out who Jesus is. And I pray, Father, that they'll not just hear about him, but they'll go to him and receive him. And, Lord, I pray for us as Christians. Father, help us never to become satisfied to say, well, I've received him as Savior. I believe that he is the Son of God, but I'm going to just live my life the way I want to. 
Father, help us to be yielded to you. Father, we can't go back and relive this year. It's history. It's gone. But, Lord, we can make new commitments to you that we will bear light and witness to your Son in this coming year. And, Father, pray that you'll help us to do that. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're not five miles away, but you're right here in our midst and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number 464, Whiter Than Snow. The Lord is speaking today. Again, it might not be a star like those wise men saw, but God is speaking, and he'll speak and lead you to his son. Will you follow? Will you come? Let us stand as we sing. accepted you and trusted you, Lord. I pray, I pray that they will not leave this building until that happens, until they open their hearts up to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you go with us to a time of fellowship and Bible study. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.